Talo Falava, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Coming up. Let me tell you that this issue was analyzed immediately after the accident. Lydia Lewis speaks exclusively with the director of IAEA. Also. You're always making mistakes, but you just got to learn from them and, and grow. There's a new coach in the Moana Pacifica Fale. And later, Solomon Islands are bringing their A game in this year's Pacific Games. The head of the UN Nuclear Agency is in New Zealand and has met with the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Nanaya Mahuta. Following the release of its latest reports on the decommissioning of the destroyed Fukushima power plant, the report found the dumping of over 1 million tons of treated radioactive wastewater from the Fukushima nuclear disaster into the Pacific Ocean will comply with international standards. Lydia Lewis spoke exclusively with IAEA Director General Rafael Grossi. Why did the IAEA in Japan not take the PIF panel suggestion to look at turning the treated water into concrete? Well, uh, it's, it's a vast question. Let me say that what we have been doing, the IEA, is uh, assess, evaluate Japan's plan to discharge the water. So we are not partners with Japan. The IEA is an independent international organization, has been looking at the request of Japan at their plan. The plan uh, includes the consideration of different uh, options uh, which uh, were considered and two were retained as possible, uh, vapor uh, dispersion and uh, w- I mean this, uh, and discharge, control discharge uh, in, 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 into the ocean. We assess that as viable options Actually, the one that has been returned, retained, the, uh, the control discharge into the ocean is the one that is currently applied by um, nuclear facilities uh, within well-specified limits for uh, the contents. Uh, let me put it like that. So I am aware... Uh, of this uh, idea that uh, uh, was put forward by a group of experts, independent experts. Uh, but of course, that was not, not in the scope of my, uh, of my analysis. But let me tell you that, according to our experts, this uh, option in the case of Japan would not be possible. First of all, uh, transforming this water into concrete would release vapor. Uh, in itself, complicating the problem even further. And secondly, uh, this concrete would become under Japanese law nuclear waste, which would not be usable in terms of the economy. Do you regard the term society as an individual country, or can any country like Japan make a decision for everyone? Well, these actions are based on well-established norms, international norms and national norms. Your question has very interesting, more subjective elements into it, which are fascinating, but the reality of, the, um, of, of this action is that what they are doing is uh, treating uh, this water, which is the result of a, an operation in one of their plants, in accordance with their national Um, law and international commitments which include the consultation, include the um, 
ability and possibility to uh, to have an open dialogue with others. But when it comes to the decision of what to do, is a national sovereign decision of Japan. They themselves, I suppose, recognizing the implications, the sensitivities, the concerns that exist in this region and beyond, uh, decided this is why they decide to come to the IEA and ask, hey, can you assess this? If we do this, what would be the consequences? And is this within the internationally agreed standards? Concerns have been raised that the standards are outdated. What do you say to people in the Pacific who don't want the release to go ahead, period, and are concerned about the standards? The standards are well and fine. I have to be clear on this. They are not outdated. It's a very important point, though. Let me tell you why. Um, Some say that, um, all right, you have your standards. All right, let's assume this water um, is within the standards. But there are no standards for water which has been contaminated as a result of an accident. You have standards for normal operating nuclear power plants. Let me tell you that this issue was analyzed immediately after the accident, well before the story of the water would be there, because even the Japanese didn't know how they were going to be cooling the reactors. At that time, one of the first things that were done was to analyze after the accident whether the existing safety standards needed to be changed needed to be updated if we needed and and uh, the, um, uh, the commission of international safety standards where all the countries are represented analyzed this and came to the conclusion that the standards by them, by themselves would not need to be updated that the parameters that are set there uh, were good enough because you know at the end of the day Tritium is tritium. It doesn't matter if this tritium is coming after the normal operation of a perfectly operating nuclear power plant or if it comes because this water has been in contact with a stricken reactor. There is the the um, operation, the chemical and physical qualities are not different because of the source. So um, it's a very valid point, but I can reassure you and the audience that the safety standards, as they are, continue to be good. And they are continuously being reviewed, I must say. The IAEA and the experts are continuously reviewing these standards. Moana Basfika have announced their new head coach, former All Black Tana Umanga. He looks to turn around the team, which finished at the bottom of the Super Rugby Pacific table twice. Fina Fonoa has more. It was a rough season for the Pacific Island Super Rugby team, Moana Pacifica. They finished last on the table and managed to scalp only one win. Since the Pacifica Focus franchise entered the Super Rugby competition in 2022, they've garnered a strong fan following, but have failed to translate that passion into points. Tano Umanga hopes to change that. Upon his announcement as new head coach of the Moana Pacifica, the former All Black addressed the media. 
He said he's been in consultation with former Moana Pacifica coach Aaron Major about the direction of the team. He's kind of given me some some pointers around, you know, how the players work. And I think we've just got to make sure that, you know, as he said, he's laid a foundation for us that we can build from um, and all the coaches there. So we've got to make sure we do that and not make, you know, the mistakes that, uh, that you know, he said that, you know, as you do in startups, so you've, you're always making mistakes, but you just got to learn from them and, and grow. Moana Pacifica's poor standings have prompted critics to question the franchise. One news outlet said the club was doomed to fail, while another described it as a virtual signalling exercise. But most in the rugby community, including Tana Umanga, say that Moana Pacifica has been invaluable to the development of Pacific rugby. Umanga says the franchise boosted the quality of Samoa and Tonga's national rugby teams. Umanga says the franchise has boosted the quality of Samoa and Tonga's national rugby teams and has uncovered star players who otherwise would have been unknown. Moana Pacifica means a, a lot to a lot of people and, and you know, the pathways it, it leads to, as we've seen with Miracle Failangi from Samoa, coming straight from Samoa. We want to make sure we find more miracles, not just in Samoa, but in Tonga and the Pacific Islands in general. And you know, we know we have to work hard for that. We'll make sure we won't leave no stone unturned in terms of how we can develop a better performance for all of us and get those successes that uh, Pacifica people want. Since its inception, Moana Pacifica has produced 14 international test players for Manu Samoa and 13 for the Agalatahi. The Solomon Islands National Institute of Sports High Performance Unit has become an integral part of sports development in the country. They're confident the country's contingent at the 2023 Pacific Games in November will perform better. At the 2019 Pacific Games, Solomons finished in 13th spot with 36 medals, 4 gold, 13 silver and 19 bronze. Elias Otora spoke with the unit's executive director, Aaron Aslop. How does Sinis um, uh, help in the development of all these athletes in the Solomons, especially uh, preparing them uh, for those higher level competitions? Yeah, so a lot of the background work started through an initial consultation process with all the federations and the National Olympic Committee and the Paralympic Committee back in 2019. Through that, the government then endorsed and supported the program to be established. Um, We went ahead and built the new National Institute of Sport, um, which is where we operate from here in Honiara. Um, the federations went then through a trial and selection process for their squads. So what we've seen over the past sort of two years, 18 months to two years, has been a series of um, programs that we've supported those national squads with. Everything from medical screening, physio screening, nutritional screening, um, family health checks, background injury assessments, performance testing, and then we go ahead and establish um, clear training programs on a weekly schedule with each of the federation's head coaches. Uh, and those athletes now have been undertaking anywhere between six to nine training sessions a week per sport, which means that we get about 150 training sessions a week here at Sinus across those 28 different sports. Um, we do have a lot of off-site facilities that we use in terms of the open water for sailing and baba. Uh, we use a hotel pool here because our national aquatic facility is not built yet. So we hire a, a large hotel pool here for our swimming squad and our triathlon squad. We use 
an off-site facility for golf, obviously, and tennis. Um, and then we've got a warm-up track for athletics that's been built um, prior to the Games as well, which we use for the National Athletics Squad. So across the board, we've got about 160 training sessions a week that our staff support the national coaches and the athletes with um, over the last 18 months. So it's been quite a busy period. We do a lot of education programs as well around athlete wellbeing, around health, around nutrition, around anti-doping. So that complements the work we do within the daily training environment to make sure that we're focused on a really holistic approach to the way that we support the athletes. Mm. Um, uh, the Pacific Games uh, kicks off in Honiara on the 19th with the opening ceremony. Uh, Solomon's obviously the, the, you know, would be wanting to win the games at home, preparation-wise, uh, and, and seeing um, uh, how the athletes are shaping up uh, out there in Honiara. Aaron, uh, what do you think of, of uh, uh, the Solomon Islands contingent? Uh, at, at the games? Oh, I think we're very confident in terms of the athletes and the coaches having their best performance ever at a Pacific Games. Um, we don't say that arrogantly. We're, we're very um, confident and positive about the significant change in the standards in, in which we've been able to help the athletes and coaches implement around their training program. Um, obviously, having watched the performances of Team Solomon in the 2019 Pacific Games in Samoa and then the mini games in, in last year has enabled us to start to track and, and monitor the performances of those athletes um, when they go to these international competitions and tours. We've obviously been able to track the performance and the improvement of those sports as well, which has been quite positive. We certainly have got a long way to go. We really believe that we've only sort of scratched the surface in terms of their preparations and being able to get them to the standard that we want. So um, we're really confident about where they're tracking. Um, obviously, a number of the athletes previously have had some significant injuries and we've had to do a lot of work to really get the base standard of their fitness and injury management up. But now that we've been able to do that, um, things are really starting to move in place so all of that wouldn't be possible without the partnership of the government and the national federations and the Olympic committee um, we're very grateful that the local coaches have worked really closely with mentor coaches to start to enhance that training as well so I think when you put all those ingredients of success together complemented now with these international tournaments and opportunities that's really starting to shape up quite strongly. Mm. Uh, uh, Solomon's, uh, uh, are there athletes also uh, training or uh, being assisted there at seniors that are going to the Youth Commonwealth Games? Yes, yeah, so we, we support every federation uh, around training and preparation prior to any of those international competitions. Um, so last year there was the Commonwealth Games, the Mini Games. We had athletes that travelled to various Oceania Championships. Um, this year there will obviously be the Youthcom Games, and um, I know that the Beach Games have just been cancelled. But the, um, any of those international events that we have athletes attending, um, our our work is to support those athletes and coaches that they prepare to represent the country overseas. So. Um, that, that is something that hasn't happened here before in terms of those support services and, and certainly we're seeing um, minor sports that typically haven't had a lot of exposure 
cultural awareness around them is starting to really now produce some great results. Um, uh, just just the last one, probably, Aaron. How is the um, the arrangement with with uh, Australia? How is that funded? Is that through the Australia Support Program? No, these programs that uh, we run here at Sinus are 100% funded by the Solomon Island government. So uh, we're very grateful for their support and contribution. We are obviously able to get some support through volunteers. Um, so a number of the mentor coaches provide volunteer support to us. Um, the partnerships that we have through the universities also provide that um, in kind, um, which is a great contribution to our program. Um, we do have some Australian volunteers uh, that work for us here uh, at the Sinus, uh, which is funded through DFAT. So they're provided with some living allowance support to be able to come to the Solomon Islands and provide support in, in different areas of the programs that we run and ultimately their role is to be here to mentor the local staff in those particular areas. Um, but, but all those trips and programs that we're, we're going on um, is funded directly by the Solomon Islands government. Um, we do have recently a small grant um, of 15000 Australian dollars that's been provided to us to go towards our coach study tour which is a, um, an international study tour to the Gold Coast for our national head coaches to um, be immersed in some learning environment opportunities with experts around different areas of coach development. So um, University of Queensland, Bond University um, in QAS has provided some support um, to that program free of charge, which has been really appreciated and something that we've never been able to offer the coaches in Solomon Islands before. That's Pacific Waves for today. Don't forget you can listen back on rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, till fast way forward.